GLES Eagles. Well, to say that um, this was uh, an embarrassing display of football might be the understatement of the year. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles came out today in a game where they at least had to look respectable for a couple of reasons to gain back some confidence or even to possibly win the game to just keep extending their chances to get a higher seed in the playoffs, which are coming up next week. Instead, they landed with a thud. This is the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. I'm Mike Misnelli. We have Seth Joyner. We have Mark Forzetta with us. Um, you know, guys, this uh, is not just a game. This is um, uh, an examination now of a team that is completely disintegrated that now has to go into the playoffs and possibly lose to a team that we never possibly thought they could lose to, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's the way it's going to be. They're going to go in as the fifth seed after what happened today. Now, the chances they were going to get a better seed were slim. But here's the big thing about today, boys. The the coaching staff was unable to get this team to a level where they even competed. They didn't compete, and they had a lot at stake to compete. And I, I don't know if this is a totally broken situation or not. I don't know whether the coach's job is in jeopardy. I don't know if they have a chance in hell to win a playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. So what say you guys? Seth? <clears throat> they have no chance. No chance whatsoever. And I'm never one to, like, advocate for anybody losing their job. But I think, Nick, I think – Howie, Howie and Jeffrey got to sit down and take a hard look at this thing. Because this football team flat out laid down today. They flat out just had no, you know, they had no desire to play. And when you see that, that's a result of, you know, the players not hearing the head coach's voice any longer. All the stuff that we heard and all the stuff going into this and all of the you know, oh, you know, AJ finally spoke, and you know, um, you know that 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 entire speech probably could have saved the season, man. BF. Okay, this team has been flawed. This team has been a fraud all season long, and today was just the icing on the cake. You know, now it, it didn't mean anything for you to win this game because it's pretty darn apparent that the Cowboys wasn't going to lose to. You know, the commanders, um, you know, you blew any chance at the division and the um, and the number two seed, you know, over the last the previous two weeks. But to just go up to the Giants and, and allow, you know, that team to do what they did to this defense and to this offense, you know, in a game like this, they have no chance in hell. Um, of going to Tampa Bay and beating Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay is not a great team, but they're good enough because the Eagles can't stop the run. And they're good enough because they've got some weapons with high receivers. They're good enough because Todd Bowles is going to bring pressure the same way the last three defense coordinators have, and the Eagles have no answer for it. They're stuck on stupid you know, to be honest with you, because they keep doing the same damn thing over and over, expecting that they're going to figure it out. 
you know, no side adjustments, no route, no hot routes against blitzes. So teams, you know, if they don't have success running the ball on first down, they come after him on second down to get him to get Jalen on the move and having to scramble to his left and throw the ball away. So, you know, maybe San Francisco was right. You know, we got the game plan. Here's the game plan. San Francisco didn't necessarily, you know, blitz him to death because they had enough pass rush to actually get the Jalen and move him off his spot. But they certainly have enough other teams, certainly these other teams with these grade A top flight defensive coordinators that know how to dial up blitzes and how to get a guy free, you know, that's that's the recipe for beating them. And if they don't make a change, it's just going to be more of it. So I'm not in the least little bit hopeful. You know, I'm packing up my place here um, because after next Sunday, and I do my, my TV show on Tuesday to wrap the season, I'm getting the hell out of here because they're done. There, there's no way in hell they're winning the game next week. No way. Uh, let me let me bring you in here because uh, listen, when you introduce the concept of uh, okay, we really don't have a chance to get a higher seed, uh, so what are we playing for anyway? That's one thing. But when you've lost four of five games, it is so important for you guys to get some kind of a semblance of, of continuity in, in in your offense and defense. And that's the thing that was most disturbing about this. They were unwilling to compete. They almost like if I didn't know better. These guys have already quit on a season that's still going on. Yeah. In a game where they still, and the, the, not that the commanders obviously made it close for an entire game, but they kept it close there for a minute. The Eagles play today was, it was play from a team that was begging for a head coaching regime change. And I believe that the problem is far beyond that. I don't think this is just a problem with Nick Sirianni or Brian Johnson or Matt Patricia or Sean Desai. This is an organizational problem where I feel like everyone is a cook in the kitchen and there are far too many of those right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at teams that have quit on their head coach. This just looked like an entire team quitting on this entire coaching staff and really the entire organization. The, the report before the game was that Nick Sirianni's message to this Eagles team was go out there and win this game. This is a game we want to win. There's still a chance we have a shot at the division here. We don't know what can happen in Landover, Maryland, but we can only take care of what we need to take care of. Even, even, even if we don't win this game, we need to show that we're on the same page going into the postseason with some semblance of hope that we could get it all together. And that's how you came out? A.J. Brown does the talk of the season supposedly at his locker, and that's how you came out? This was uh, astonishingly embarrassing. And, you know, as people are noticing, we're not down at Ocean right now. We're in our home studio, so we had to come back uh, during the game. But I'm listening to Merrill and Mike do it, and it's been a minute since I've heard them. They were crushing this team. Merrill Reese was talking about how this team is being, that's my arm. the Eagles are being murdered. That's what they were talking about on the radio. That you wouldn't know who the 5-11 and 11 team is and who the 11-5 and 5 team is in this game. Utterly embarrassing. And this was supposed to be the game, yet again, fellas, that was a get-right game for the Eagles, a not-so-great opponent that the Eagles could either pad stats or gain a little bit of fluidity, treat it almost like it was a preseason game in the early goings, and then if the Cowboys were blowing out the commanders, then you rest, guys. These were guys also begging to be out of the game. And, Mike, you were watching it with us there in that first quarter especially. 
Guys left and right were saying this is it. Uh, you know what? I don't need to play the rest of this game. I'll just, I'll, you know, cut my losses at this point and just hope that we get into the postseason and find some kind of fire. But I don't even know if this team, with the way they look tonight, I don't even know if this team wants anything to do with the playoff victory. It looks like they just want this season to be over with. If you remember years ago with the Phillies, Cole Hamels was quoted in the World Series, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> this Eagles team looks like they can't wait for it to be over. And the exit door is now in it's shining I, red. It is, black it light. Is, uh, really, uh, when you think about it, and you're, and you're like, I think you're right on. Um, you know, the, the season is not over. I mean, they, they have the probably the, the, the weakest opponent in the playoffs to play. That's what the Bucs are saying right now. <laughs> you know, you, you just don't have any faith in, in what, what they can do. So let, let's look at it this way. Seth, it would take like a tremendous reversal now to all of a sudden flip a switch after you've lost five or six playing like this looking like you're lost looking like you don't hear the message of the head coach looking like you don't even have any veteran leaders that can pull this team out of here uh so like it it they they were without smith today aj tucked out early they were without um um deandre swift is it possible that they could reverse the feelings and find new life as they play an opponent that's eminently beatable. No. Just no. Absolutely I mean, not. There's, there's no hope you're saying. I believe, I believe that the San Francisco 49ers broke this football team. When they told them that we're going to come in there, we're going to kick your ass, we're going we're gonna to surround, um, we're going to surround James Bradbury like a pack of hyenas around a dying lion, okay? And we're going to bite him on his hip, and we're going to bite him on his arm, and we're going to torture him before the game. We're going to roll into your backyard wearing all black, and we're going to kick your ass up and down the football field, and there ain't nothing you could do about it. And they walked in here and did it. I think after that game, the Eagles were done, okay? The coach had no remedy, nothing to say to them, to rescue their psyche, you know, and as time went on, the offense continued to, the offense continued to struggle. And then I heard, I, I heard Nick Sirianni say last week, you know, you know, this is our process. You know, we're just going to keep working the process to get better. But the process isn't working. Your offense isn't working. I felt like the, the Philadelphia Eagles offensively would be a juggernaut on offense this year with what they had last year and expanding the playbook and Jalen becoming a pocket passer and their ability to run the football, that they would be an offense that's untouchable. It's pretty evident to me. And Nick Sirianni says this now. Nick Sirianni says, this is my offense, okay? I want to see. I, I wish they made playbooks the way they did back in my day. Our playbook was about that thick, okay? I would love to see Nick's playbook, not in a laptop or Microsoft Surface Pro, but in a binder. I want to see how much offense do you have because this reminds me of Chip Kelly's offense when he was standing on the sideline with an 8 by 10 piece of paper folded up like this, calling plays. There ain't too much you got on this damn piece of paper that you can call, okay, that after a while I can't figure out as a, as a defensive coach. So when I'm watching this offense, I'm looking at it, and it's the same crap, play after play after play. They have no 
every pass that got, Dallas Goddard catches is a four yard out and he gets tackled with no room to run. Okay. Damn near every every pass that AJ Brown catches is a damn slant route. Okay. They they have no there's no rhyme or reason to what they do. Their their run plays don't coordinate with their with their pass plays, their pass plays don't coordinate with the run plays, and teams understand that if I can get the Eagles behind the sticks on first down, if I can get them to second and eight or more, okay, then I can blitz them because they have to throw the ball on second down to just get the third and, and manageable. If that's the case, we can get sacks, we can get throwaways, we can get hurries, we can get whatever we want. Again tonight, the first series of the game, okay, they run the ball, well, they throw the ball, I think it was five plays, 15 yards or something like that, and then they punt it. So they did get a first down. But I can remember on a second and long, the second set of downs, Jalen drops back to throw the ball. Dallas Goddard's lined up in the slot. The guy that's over Goddard comes on a blitz. And instead of just raising up and throwing the ball to Dallas running up the field, he runs out of the pocket and tries to hit somebody on the sideline. I'm like, at what point in time, you know, do you see the adjustment and make the adjustment? If you're going to blitz off of one of my best receivers and the safety's coming from 12 yards deep to cover him man to man, all he's got to do is just take two steps and stop. And now you've got the safety coming downhill where he's got a two-way go. What in the hell? I mean, you don't have to be a damn genius to figure that out. But they keep doing the same damn thing, expecting a different result. And uh, here we are. Let me. Uh, um, I, 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 I happen to, uh, to to agree with uh, most of what you're saying. And what you're saying is the Eagles are not going to win that playoff game. So the the next thing I need to address might. with you guys they is they might. Yeah, I get paid on Tuesday. I'm putting my whole damn paycheck. I don't even care what the line is. I'm putting All my right. whole Let me get to the paycheck. next point on that. Because if they do lose, you believe the coach will be moved out of here. If they go down to Tampa Bay and they play like they played today, I believe that Nick Sirianni, I, I believe that, that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have to give major, major thought to what they do with Nick Sirianni moving forward. Because it's pretty obvious. Even if you decide to bring him back, you have to have major coordinator and coaching changes. Like, you got to wipe the entire slate of coaches on the defensive side of the ball. They all got to go. Because there's no way in hell that you can play the way that they played over the last seven weeks and think that those coaches are going to come back and do anything different. Because if they haven't been able to fix these players up until this point in time, what in the hell makes you think they're going to be able to do it next year? And then offensively, when you look at what they are offensively, if this is Nick's offense, you can't come back and throw this out there again next year. You got to go find an offensive coordinator that's going to come in with his offense and run things his way. And Nick is nothing more than a manager of situations. Okay? So that if that's the case, then you got to really give Deep, deep consideration, deep, deep thought. You know, is Nick Sirianni the guy for this job? Farson, do you are you in agreement with that? Because I, I see, I don't think they're going to lose next week. I know this team's broken, and I don't have any faith in him. And it wouldn't shock me if they if 
Tampa Bay routes them, but I, I still think they're 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 better than Tampa Bay, and you and so that'll faith. survive his job. But do you if they lose that game, do you believe that that would happen? Yeah, you have a situation right now where, regardless of the overall takeaway of what people want out of the. Uh, feel-good press conference of the season of A.J. Brown talking about how he respects the coaches and he loves Nick Sirianni's loyalty and that he takes it on the chin for this team and uh, how uh, you know it's not on the coaches, it's on the players. Despite all that feel-good stuff, people ignored the most important 15-second soundbite of that, which was when A.J. Brown acknowledged that the locker room was fractured. When he acknowledged, when he answered the question about, oh, this is how you feel. Is this how everyone else in the locker room feels? I can't speak for everyone. That told me more than anything out of the rest of that 13-minute uh, press session that he had in his locker. Then after that, you have Hassan Reddick on Thursday laughing at situations that his new defensive play caller is putting him in when they had to drop back in coverage seven different times, the most time he ever has an eagle. You have veteran players, Pro Bowl players questioning what's going on with the coaching staff of this team. The thing is, it's not all Nick Sirianni's fault. Like I said, this is an organizational problem. Nick Sirianni will be the next scapegoat on the list after Sean Desai. And I agree with what Seth's saying. Absolutely. If you're going to make a change, you got to make a huge change, not just coordinators, but an overhaul, because I have never seen an organization, an organization, not a coach, an organization lose a locker room the way they lost this locker room and the way everything fell apart in a huge domino effect after they got rid of a guy who wasn't even doing a good job in Sean Desai. They made the change at 10-3 and three to Matt Patricia, and that set up a huge panic in the entire locker room and the entire organization. Yes, what are you I, supposed that, to think if you're is, a player? Uh, definitely I agree with. Now, what the hell? Whether it was the Sirianni call, whether it was the Lurie call, there, there is no way that you could expect to do something like that and not have the locker room say, uh-oh, I guess we're in trouble. Because mm -hmm. that's the concept they introduced with that. And then on, on the heels of that, the Cowboys route them, or uh, the Cowboys route them, and then they make the change. And then here comes the A.J. Brown thing. And, and it, it's just – it's unbelievable how this team that were at one level this year have completely fallen off the cliff. It's hard to believe. It's like somebody wrote a script about this. Mike, I, got, I learned more about this team from Hassan Reddick than I did A.J. Reddick this past week. Because when Hassan Reddick is literally chuckling at the amount of times he's being used in pass coverage instead of pass rushing, when he's talking, literally called out the quote-unquote higher-ups who thought the higher-ups thought it was a better decision to make the change from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. He didn't say the coaching staff. He didn't say you know Nick Sirianni. He said the higher-ups. That, that tells me that you're talking about Jeffrey Lurie and you're talking about Howie Roseman. So what, what power does, does Nick Sirianni really have? And if Nick Sirianni continues to take it on the chin for his players, which is nothing abnormal, almost every coach in the NFL does that, well, then how am I supposed to believe him when he says, like you pointed out, Mike, it's my offense. What am I supposed to believe when he also tells me it was his decision to make the change for who the defensive player caller was going to be? To steal a line from office base, what is it you say you do here, Nick Sirianni? Because the Eagles seem to think they can plug in anybody they want because their system is so great with their analytics, with their acquisitions, with their trades, with their drafting somehow. They feel like they can do anything with any coach. It doesn't have to be Doug Peterson. It doesn't have to be Nick Sirianni. It's their system. They know what they're doing. Anybody else can plug and play. And that is the biggest disgrace to the game of football and attitude you could have to meddle like that and not let the people that you're hiring to actually prepare the meal, to cook, to be the head coach. You mean to tell me that you know more than them all of a sudden? 
That is an absolute joke in this team. It's no wonder they had this fall apart at the end of the year the way they did. You know, it's well, funny. Larry, what was their Larry. answer to Reddick? The first two plays, they had him in coverage. They did. God. The first two plays in the game, they have him in coverage. That was their answer to, to what his views were. Laugh at this, fella. Jeez. Let me tell you, let, let, let me tell you something. When organizationally, you know, your team has gone to the Super Bowl twice in the last six years after, you know, a Chip Kelly, yeah. You, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, after not winning the Super Bowl in the modern era, 57 years, and then you go to the Super Bowl two years in a six-year span, they believe that everything that they're doing is the right way and the and the right the right method, methodology of doing it. And I would submit to you and anyone else, you know, who's listening to what I'm saying is that everything that they're doing, everything that they, they're doing, they've got to have a shift in how they do it. Okay. Offensively, there's nothing wrong with RPOs, but you better figure out with all these weapons that you have a better way to call plays and have Jalen Hurts be a more, a much better pocket passer than he is okay that's the first thing the second thing is defensively this has been your mode of action you know since god rest his soul jim johnson passed away this bend but don't break vic fangio type you know defense don't go bring me another you know vic vic fangio disciple it's pretty damn obvious, and you look, the Vic Fangio got his ass handed to him last week, okay? That method of playing football doesn't work any longer because the smart teams are just going to take what you give them. They're not going to try to push the ball downfield. There's no need to do that. If you're going to play your cornerbacks 10 yards off the ball, why would I ever have to, you know, push the ball down the field. You're giving me seven, eight yards every time I drop back and I want to throw the football. So that whole system and that whole mode of operation has to change. And you got to move away from this thought that, you know what? Oh my gosh. You know, we want to create explosive plays, but at the same time, we want to limit them. So we're going to play this Bimba don't break style defense until we get, you know, in between, until we get to the 20 yard line. And then we're going to go, man, which everybody knows that we're in, and they've got their best man beaters to beat us all day long. You talk about some dumbass, a dumbass philosophy. Come on. If it you're does. not taking, if you're if you're not taking, if you're not forcing the issue, then you have the issue forced upon you. If you're not making you, you want to know why the Eagles don't create turnovers? The Eagles don't create turnovers because turnovers are forced. When you hear someone on the broadcast or you hear you know, a media person or even a coach or a player talk about turnovers. What's the word that always precedes turnovers? Oh, we force turnovers. Oh, they they force turnovers, okay? We don't force a damn thing because we play two passes. So how do you expect to actually get to a point where your defense can make plays? They're so hell-bent on trying to figure out ways to, um, to stop the big play that they're afraid to make a play. And that philosophy and that way of thinking needs to exit this damn organization once and for all. Because Philadelphia wasn't like that until Jim Johnson, like I said, closed his eyes and we went in a different direction with a different mindset. And it has not worked. Yeah, it's got us to two Super Bowls, 
but it lost us one. And if we didn't score every damn possession that we had the ball in the other one, we wouldn't have won that. The Giants rolled up 415 yards of offense today against the Eagles. They almost had 300 in the first half. And it was uh, the springboard of it was when the Eagles decided to go for it on fourth and three near midfield, but in their own territory. They don't get it. And then the Giants go bang, bang, bang. This Giants team, this is the, they had Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback. Their wide receivers are, you know, they're probably non existent at this point. They got Saquon Barkley, they, get, they got Darren Waller. But this team shouldn't go down the field on, on you like they did. The defense is broken. And here's what they're doing, Seth. They're targeting Bradbury every game now. I don't even know. Listen, Mike, I don't even know why they put him out there anymore. You got all these young guys. Okay, instilling them some confidence and let them play. You know that he's the weak link and they're going to go after him. So either give him help. If you're going to put him on the tight end in the slot, you know that they're going to they're going to target it wherever he is. He's he's the target. He's like the limping, the limping hyena in the in the pack. Okay, they're, they're looking at him like, oh, yeah, there's the meal right there. Okay, and they're going to come after him. So you would think that as a coaching staff, what you would do is you would try to figure out, you know, either how to help him or make the decision to take him off the field because he's a liability. Statistically, he is your worst cornerback. And you got about three, four, five young cornerbacks on the entire damn roster. He's one of your highest paid defensive players, and he can't, he's hurting you more than he's helping you. You have to take him off the field. But guess what? Because they're playing him so much, because he was a pro bowler last year, they're going to leave him out there. If you're going to get toasted, watch. Can you imagine him on Mike Evans next week? Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Come on. Well, Slay will be back next week. I don't know how effective he would be coming off of surgery. Come on, man. Uh, but, you know, and, and see, that's the thing. I, I'm looking at this like the season's lost. I get it. There's no way, even if they won game one, they could possibly go to San Francisco and win that game. So, uh, uh, you know, our expectations are already dashed. But I, I, I'm thinking that there's still still got to be enough left to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, with, with all their guys back. And maybe this is such a bad loss for them that they go, all right, let's just go play. I'm I mean, giving I don't you know. odds. I don't know what to think. I, I... I'm giving you odds, Mike. <laughs> you, you just, you know – See, this is what happens with Philadelphia fans, and I get it because I'm a fan, and I bought into it until I came, until I saw the light, okay? <laughs> until I saw the light. I knew, you know, my eyes was closed, and I could, like, just barely open them, and I could see a little bit of the light, but you know what? When you're 10-1, and 1, you want to be like, oh, you know, like every other fan. But I knew better. My football sense told me, back in the first five games of the season that there was something wrong with this football team, okay? The San Francisco game was a straw that broke the camel's back. And the thing is, what the great football coaches, great head coaches, find a way to rescue the psyche of their team when they get broken like this or they have a game like this. It seems to me like the players have been trying to do it on their own. And because they're not getting that from the coaching staff, particularly the head coach, now they're in a position where, you know, they don't even hear the head coach's voice anymore. 
he's talking, but they ain't listening. It's like, you know, I used to tell my, my when I used to address my, my young kids when I used to coach, I used to tell them all the time. I said, there's a difference between listening and hearing, okay? So while you're down on one knee and you're drawing, you know, little things in the dirt, you hear me. You hear me, but you listen to me with your eyes. Give me your eyes. That way I know you're hearing what I'm saying. This Eagles football team is down on one knee and they're drawing, you know, little designs in the in the dirt when Nick Sirianni is talking. They don't even hear him anymore, right? They don't that, hear that, him. That's a sad detail. It really is. If, if Nick Sirianni is that to this team right now, you're right. All hope is lost. Uh, and certainly they would have to. What is he going to tell them, Mike? What, what, what is he going to tell them? You're right. This, he's, he's lost them. This is now. This, Mike, but this, this is the game. This is the game. They always want to take you in the locker room when you win and show the coach dancing. And you know what I'm saying? I want to be in the damn locker room tonight. I want to hear what Nick Sirianni had to say to these players tonight. Oh, I guarantee you they were like, oh, keep the camera. You know, I want to hear what the hell he had to say tonight. And then I want you to pan the locker room so I can look at the players and see their eyes and see how many are like, you know what, man? I'll run through a wall for that guy. Well, I want to see the ones that's like, man, that's a whole bunch of bullshit he's selling over there. Uh, Farsi, he's not wrong. I mean, there's there's no way. What is what is Nick Sirianni right now? I mean, normally we can tell that the fiber of a coach, and you know, I know he won some people over after he came came in here with that Rocky Harry High School stuff. He kind of won some people over, but what is he now to this organization? I won well to the organization. He's the he's the yes man that they want that will allow you know the front office to do whatever the hell they damn well please and just kind of be the guy to push buttons there on the sidelines. But I do wonder. It's an interesting point here because did they? I mean, we talked about Sean Desai and him being pushed aside, essentially being neutered as a defensive coordinator, still having the title but no power. Is Nick Sirianni just a pushover now? Like if you're a player, and I go I go back to Hassan Reddick again. If you're a player and you see the higher ups making calls like changing who's calling plays defensively and not the head coach, then who is Nick Sirianni? I mean, any line of work you're in, the direct boss all of a sudden has no power and everything's coming from the higher up. How are you supposed to pay attention to that as an employee? If you're a sound Reddick, if you're AJ Brown, if you're Jalen Hurts, are you to look at your head coach as a guy that actually still has power within the organization or a guy that's going to be constantly pushed around and overruled because that's what it looks like right now. And if you're losing a locker room, which is exactly what it looked like in the first half of this game, I argued for Nick Sirianni's case leading up to today, but this effort is, like I said, it's the effort of a team that wants their head coach fired. So for me, I think it's this coach right now being pushed aside by the front office and being exposed for more or less just being a yes man to the organization. And the Eagles, they want that kind of guy. They wanted a guy like Doug Peterson who didn't have experience as a head coach, was barely an offensive coordinator in Kansas City, and now they got a guy who was just completely fresh meat to the head coaching position in Nick Sirianni who for, throughout his career was an offensive coach working under an offensive head coach. So for him, even as an offensive coordinator, you're working with a guy like Frank Reich who's calling the plays. It this it, they they got what they wanted in Nick Sirianni, and after this, they'll look for the next guy that will tell them yes and allow them to do whatever it is that they want to do in order the team. But if you're a player, how do you look at the head coach and say, "Oh, that's the guy in charge. That's the guy." In your words, Mike, I'll run through that brick wall for. 
That doesn't make any sense to how you run a team, especially this one in particular. And it's a shame with the leadership on this team that it might come to something like that, or at least it did to end, to end this season. But for me, it's just a, an awful, awful way to go from a 10-1 team to a team that's lost, what, now 6-7 uh, to end the season? 5-6 to end the season? 5-6. You know, Unbelievable. Farzee, you make such a good point, you know, and I thought about it, that, but I didn't think about it in the terms that you so elo eloquently put it until you said what you said, okay? If the players are to look at the head coach as the authority figure and then all of a sudden come to the realization that <laughs> he's not really the authority figure, what's the level of respect for that, for that coach? You know, it's like raising a young kid. You know, if that kid doesn't understand who the authority figure is, they will try to run all over you. Once they figure out that you have no authority, they will try to run all over you. You understand what I'm saying? So now here's the situation. You, you got Nick Sirianni supposed to be the head coach. Well, he's hired as the head coach, I should say. Let me, <laughs> let, let, let me, let me not say it like that. He's hired as the head coach. Um as he begins to build this team and how he begins to bring these pieces in, you know, it's looked upon and viewed as though Nick is the guy that's making all the decisions. He's hired the coordinators. It's his offense. It's his philosophy on defense. It's his offensive philosophy. Okay. And then all of a sudden in week 14, the people upstairs make a decision that we're changing coordinators. And then all of a sudden, for the first time this year, the players realize and understand, man, Nick ain't got no say-so here. He's not the authority figure, you know? And maybe these players knew it all along. That's the only thing that I can think of that gives Jalen Hurts and, and, and A.J. Brown the thought that they could, you know, ad-lib plays wherever they wanted to. Like, like it came to light last year. You think Jalen Hurts is doing that at Alabama? Hell no. <laughs> you think he's doing that under his dad? Hell no. <laughs> he ain't even doing it under Lincoln Rowley. But he was in a situation where now he realizes, well, he's the franchise quarterback. Don't nobody in the organization make more money than, than him, than the, the owner, okay? So there's a certain amount of power that comes with that. You know, I'm not saying that Jalen's wired that way, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility that one's mind could think along that, that line because he knows that now that he's getting $255 million, there ain't no way in hell they're getting rid of him. Nick Sirianni going to be gone before he's gone. Players understand that, understand that and get that, you know. But you, you can't have a lame-duck coach – from the standpoint of them not having the authority, you know, in the eyes of the players, because it's the coaches with the players all the time. It ain't Howie and Jeffrey down there with those guys every single day. It's Nick and his staff. And when the players start to see things beginning to happen and decisions that are made, and they come to the realization and the understanding that those decisions aren't made by the guy that they thought was in control. That's a problem. All right, let's take a break. Bill Calarulo is going to join us. We have plenty to, to hash out in this show. 
uh, as the Eagles lose their final regular season game today and get smoked. And now the playoffs are starting. It's hard to believe. Uh, but if you're looking to hire right now, however, in the IT engineering, manufacturing, or technology fields, just got to contact our buddy Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partner Staffing Solution. Here's how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The perfect pair. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Here's the pile of hockey Eagles postgame show. Normally we're at Ocean Casino. We had some technical difficulties down there. We're doing the show uh, from our homes here. Bill Calarulo joins us right now. And this segment, of course, brought to you by 
First Trust Bank, uh, of the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, hopefully that bank pays dividends more than uh, the Philadelphia Eagles paying dividends right now. But Mark Farzetta, we are also involved in a very nice charity, and we're proud to represent all year long the EBA charity. Tell us a little bit about it. Even though the Eagles don't look like they're poised for a Super Bowl run here, you could be. Tonight's the last night where you guys can get involved. This is for our viewers, our listeners. Make sure you guys help out the EBOD Foundation, our great partnership with the EBOD Foundation. Text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. You could win two tickets to the big game in Vegas, two nights stay at a hotel, $2,000 people in cash for expenses. All you got to do right now, text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835, and you'll enter to win this fantastic trip. And together, we'll help with the EBOD Foundation. You and Jacob Media will help triumph over Alzheimer's. So text the word SCORE, 833-202-9835, and you can win all those great prizes. Tickets to the big game in Vegas, ladies and gentlemen. Get involved. All right. So the final was 27-10. It was 24 to nothing right quick. Uh, and uh, it was hard to believe what was going on. And Giants, I think, took it, their, their foot off the throttle in the second half. And we saw a lot of Marcus Mariota and backup players. And Nick Sirianni waved the flag going into halftime. It made full sale substitutions. And, you know, I, th- I didn't think that was a great idea. I thought they needed to have the first team start to get rolling a little bit to get some momentum like it was a preseason game going into the season. But they decided to wave the white flag and we were subject to uh, – you know, backup football for the rest of the game. But Bill, uh, uh, let's let's go to you and and uh, your your impression of what is left right now with this team. I mean, the regular season's over, the playoffs are here. What is left? I can't remember as long as I've been an Eagles fan ever feeling this down about a team that still had a playoff game left. I mean, there is zero hope from anybody. And I have, you know, you guys know, too, there's fans in the chat who are diehard regardless. You can't say a negative word. There is zero hope for this football team. And what I saw tonight, what there was a lot of things to be frustrated about. But what was most frustrating for me was you just played this team two weeks ago. They blitzed Jalen Hurts in week 16, 83% of the time. You're going up against a defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale who is the second most blitzing defensive coordinator in the NFL, and you had zero answers for the blitz in that first half. I don't understand that. Nick Sirianni says this is his offense. It ends with him. How do you go into a game against Wink Martindale and you don't have a plan for the blitz? And guess what? You know who the number three team is in the NFL that blitzes more than anybody? The Tampa Bay Bucks. So what's going to happen next week in Tampa? They're going to blitz you, Nick Sirianni. You better have a damn plan because you didn't tonight. There is no plan. Uh, we, By the way, we've heard from Darius Slay. Uh, would you like to know what Darius Slay has, has put out his message? Oh, he, to, good, uh, he didn't have a bad game. Is that what he said? <laughs> he didn't have a bad game. Hey, actually, you know what? That's factual. It's definitely factual. He had a, he did not have a bad game today. Let's, let's, let's acknowledge that. But uh, Darius Slay, Slay. On social media, posting zero and zero. Let's go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. 
They're starting over. Forget the record. (laughs) I had one ear on you guys in your first segment. I also had one ear on Nick Sirianni's press conference. He said the same thing. That's clearly going to be the message. Oh, yeah. But look, everybody was all excited. Not everyone, because we talked about it on the pregame. But a lot of people were excited about A.J. Brown talking at his locker and that this was going to be the turning point for this team. And I said, They didn't bounce back after they got dominated by the Niners. They didn't bounce back after they got dominated by the Cowboys. They didn't bounce back after they let Drew Locke go 92 yards in under two minutes. They didn't bounce back now after they got dominated by the Arizona Cardinals. So what makes us think that now, because it's zero and zero, this team's going to bounce back? This is just who this team is. They're not a very good football team. They're not a very well-coached football team. And the saddest thing for me, because I was driving home from Atlantic City like all you guys were after technical difficulties, the saddest thing for me right now is when that holding call happened in Super Bowl 57, as sad as it was and as frustrated as we all were, what I found Grayson was, okay, they still have a really good football team. They have Jalen Hurts, a franchise quarterback. They have a young coach like Nick Sirianni. We're going to get back, maybe not next year, but we'll get back very, very soon. I don't have confidence now in anything with this Eagles football team. And you start to look not only at next week, but we start to look forward at next year. Does Jason Kelsey come back? Does Fletcher Cox come back? Does Brandon Graham come back? Is Nick Sirianni even back? Who's the offensive coordinator? Who's the defensive coordinator? I'm starting to get really concerned, and that's what's making me really sad, is not only is this season potentially over, when are we getting back to being a contender? Let's stay with this thought because we talked about this in the first segment about Nick Sirianni. And uh, I, I actually think they're going to win the game next week. You know, I might be in the minority at this point because I'm looking at Twitter and Twitter. Twitter People on Twitter are just checked out uh, for this entire season. But, Bill, if they lose to the Tampa Bay Bucks, is the head coach out? So I've been saying all week that I thought people who were calling for Nick Sirianni's job were overreacting. I didn't think there was a scenario where you would move on from a coach who brought your team to the playoffs in his first three seasons, first Eagles coach to ever do it in his first three years. I was looking at the Super Bowl hangover and saying, hey, only six coaches ever have gotten their team back to a Super Bowl after going and losing the year before. And you were talking about legends. We talked about Tom Landry, Don Shula. Bud Grant, Dan Reeves, Bill Belichick. So Marv Levy did it three times. So I was saying, you know what? There's no way you move on from this guy. But after seeing what we just saw, and there were already questions about, did this coach lose the locker room? That was a team that didn't want to play for his coach. That was a team who doesn't have faith in their coaching staff at all. So if they come out, and they lay an egg against the Bucs, similar to what you saw tonight, I don't see how you run it back with Nick Sirianni as your coach. And this is coming from somebody who said all week, you guys are overreacting thinking that you fire Nick Sirianni. I just, what I'm seeing is this team looks unprepared. They look like they're uninterested. I don't even know if that's a word. Uninterested or disinterested, yeah. Farzi? Uh, I'll go uninterested. uninterested. Disinterested can go, yeah. But you checked know, out, you, checked out. Definitely you, guys checked said out. It, you guys said it in the first segment. Did the San Francisco 49ers break this team? You know, did they say after that game, we're not as good as we thought? And I'm starting to think that last year's team 
we had a lot of front runners on this team, man. Even A.J. Brown. I like the guy. I like his play on the field. But last year, it was easy to be a leader on this team. As soon as things started to go bad this year, and we talked about it on the pregame show, he doesn't even want to talk to the media. I'm worried we had a bunch of front runners on this team that couldn't handle adversity. And the moment adversity creeped in, after they got dominated by the 49ers, look at what happened to this team over the last six weeks. It's, it's not good, man. It's not good, and it starts at the top with Nick Sirianni. It really does. So is that a yes? Yes. That was a long <laughs> yes. Oh, so wait, they, lo- they lose next. Seth's already on the record. They lose next week. You think that they'll make a move? If they lose next week, I think you have to make a move. If not, oh. I think you come back next season, and you, you're going to lose pretty much all of your veteran leadership. I don't see Jason Kelsey coming back to this team next year. I don't see Fletcher Cox coming back. I don't see Brandon Grant coming back. So you're going to come back with Nick Sirianni as your head coach after this epic collapse and losing all that veteran leadership. I, I, if they lose to the Bucs, I don't see how you do. Now, the all sad right, here, thing is – And then here's the converse to that. Because we know they love kissing themselves, finding the next new toy. They 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 feel their insight to find these these off the, the grid coaches that they've discovered the next oil well, right? The, to to fire him would be to not be admitting that they failed. And I don't believe the Lori and, and Howie Roseman uh, uh, duo is willing to do that because they would they're, they're te- they would tell people guess what we made a mistake. This shiny new toy that we found that nobody else t- found that that actually was a coach with team that went to the Super Bowl. We found that guy. Now they're going to give up on that. Yeah, that's a good point that they probably wouldn't want to admit that they were wrong, but they did do it with Chip Kelly. I mean, they did they did pull that plug very very quickly. Admitted that mistake. You know, the Doug Peterson they moved on fairly quickly after he won a Super Bowl. So I guess it's a little bit different because they could say, "Hey, look, he got us a Super Bowl," but. Look, if if Jeffrey Lurie... They gave Doug Peterson three extra years before they went to that decision, though. They did. They did. And the 2018 season, they got back to the playoffs. That was an up-and-down season. But look, Jeffrey Lurie, if he's truly committed to winning another Super Bowl, if they come out against the Bucs and they get embarrassed again, I don't care about saving face if I'm Jeffrey Lurie. At that point, it's this is not going to be the coach that gets us there. Now, I do agree with you, Mike, as crazy as it is, they could still win this game, and not because the Eagles are a good team. I heard Seth saying that they can't win. Seth, did you see what the Tampa Bay Bucks did today against the Carolina Panthers? The Bucs are not a good football team either. Yeah, Tampa Bay stinks. So that's my my fear is the Philadelphia Eagles win a ugly game next week against a bad Tampa Bay team, and because of that, we run it all back next year because they won a playoff game because the Bucs are not a good football team. This team's not going anywhere, the Eagles, even if they get past the Bucs. They're not beating any of the other teams in the NFC. But they could beat a Bucs team that's just as bad as they are. I'll give both of y'all odds. You name the price. <laughs> if, you're, if you're Nick Sirianni and you can't get a team like the Eagles, you can't get a team like the Eagles up to play a team like the Buccaneers, like you can't get them to even make it look like they're playing for you, even though in the playoffs and Seth, you could talk about this and teammates that you've had maybe, but good Lord, if you can't get a team to play for the playoffs and extend a playoff run, 
then there's no, you have zero business of being a head coach at the I NFL don't believe level. he's going to get him up. I really don't. I don't think it's going to have anything to do with Sirianni next week. Oh, I, think, I agree. I, that's I mean, a, that's players, my point. I think this Eagle team has more talent than the Buccaneers, and, and that alone will enable them to squeak by next week. But it, well, it doesn't players, matter. Next week they the get problem, demolished. But if he wins problem, that game next week, it's going to be probably hard to fire him if he loses to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Because it's also a team that lost to a three-win team. Niners. Yes, but the this is also problem, a team that lost to the Cardinals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I the get it. At is, home. Listen, the problem is, is, is you're right. You know, there's nothing that he can say at this juncture that's going to change their psychological, you know, output. But <laughs> they're not winning that game, man. They're not winning next week. You, 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 you got – there's a psychological side of football, you know, that people really don't pay attention to. There's a there's a psychological side of everything. Okay. I always say when a player gets hurt, guy has an, an ACL injury, he comes back, the knee is healthy, he's passed all the tests, he's been cleared to play. But you want to know what he what hasn't been cleared? His mind, his psychology. Because every time that he runs around out there on that knee, or somebody gets close to that knee, the trauma from that injury is real and he's going to protect it he's got to you got to get hit on the leg on that leg to be like oh my god oh it, it is all right you know now you've overcome that psychological hurt when you win there's a psychology that goes with that there's a confidence that goes with that there's some swag you know and some cockiness that goes with that you know when you're a team when you're a physical team and you beat somebody up and the game is over. Yeah, you go over and shake their hand, but you're looking at them in the eyes like, yeah, we kicked y'all's ass today. And the next time we see you, you can count on being kicked again. Okay. Conversely, when you're when you fall into a rut of losing, there's this psychological, you know, situation that happens where everything that you do, you doubt. Okay. What what you see, the reason why the Eagles can't stop anybody on defense right now. Is because nobody has any confidence. Like if I'm responsible for the B gap and the ball comes my way, I'm responsible for the B gap. The philosophy of the defense doesn't allow me to stick my big head in the A gap. That's somebody else's job. But when I go to the B gap with authority, knowing that this is my gap, and I don't care if you come up in here with an 18-wheeler. You're not coming through here. That's a whole different mindset. You understand what I'm saying? And when these guys, when you fall into listen, I've been on teams that have won a lot. I've been on teams that won 14 games in a row. Okay? I've been on teams, I've been on teams, you know, four years in college. And we won four games my four years in college. I know what the psychology is. Of, of winning and losing looks like okay forever you know when i left here i went to went to to arizona and for years you know i would look at that team all the great players individual players that they had you know and i'm like man why can't that team win you know what it took it took for me being immersed in that environment for me to understand why they don't win they don't win because you got factions. This group over here don't like that group, and that group don't talk to that group, okay? 
And then when we are fortunate enough to win a game, you know, this guy's sitting in the locker room. When the locker room's buzzing, he's got his head between his legs. Dude, what's up? Oh, man, all I had was two tackles today. So they play for their own self-gratification. They're not playing for the team to win because they're so used to losing that they got to find some validation somewhere. And where's that validation? In how I perform individually every day. And the team be damned because we're going to lose anyway. Understand the psychology of what's going on. This team ain't winning next week because they're, they're not only physiologically broken with the, all the injuries that they incurred today, they are mentally and psychologically broken. They're not winning next week. Pack your stuff and get ready because we all going fishing next Sunday. <laughs> well, Jalen Hurts after the game. In the end, it's all about how you respond. We have to respond. We've been hearing that now since the San Francisco 49ers game, and we have yet to see this team respond once. So I agree with you, Seth. The only thing is, is that Bucks team is just so damn bad, man. That's the only reason why I think they have a shot. Bill, they're going to look at the film. Bill, they're going to look at the film over the last two weeks, okay, and look at how the Eagles played the last two weeks. And they're going to come and approach this game the same way that the New York Giants approached it today. The Giants had no business even being in this damn game today. None whatsoever. They're but definitely they going to blitz. how the Eagles played the last two weeks and said, oh, man, oh, we can get some chicken there. We can get some chicken. And they came out and they cooked. They cooked the Eagles' ass today. Okay? Every which way. From coaching, from GM to coaching to the players. It's really sad when your special teams is the best out of the three phases of your team. And the special teams have been better than the offense and the defense. Yeah, they're definitely going to blitz the hell out of Hurts and that offense. And we've talked about this before. I blame, when you look at that offense, I blame Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, the fact that they had no plan for a, a team that you knew was going to blitz you 80, 90% of the time today is all coaching. But when I look at that defense and you look at the players on that side of the football, when you talked about will Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie admit the mistake with Nick Sirianni, when are they going to admit what they did to this defense? And you talk about arrogance. They're not good enough at drafting defensive players to let guys that you actually did develop in TJ Edwards and Marcus Epps, you let them walk out the door and think that you could just replace them with anybody off the street. And we've talked about it before on this show. I talked about it on the pregame. You look at their draft picks over the last four years, not including this rookie class. If you really had Super Bowl aspirations, you can't expect that many rookies to carry your defense to a Super Bowl. What you needed, since you have all your money tied up in offense, is you needed guys who were still on their four-year rookie deals contributing to your defense and when you go all the way back to 2019 there are no players on the defensive side of the football outside of D tackle that are drafted by this Eagles organization that are contributing to this Eagles football team and what they try to do is just bring guys in off the street it doesn't work you want to know what part of the problem is too with how they evaluate talent is that you're in a you're in an era where Players don't practice hard enough. They don't practice hard enough and they don't play enough in the preseason. And you don't hit enough 
for you to really get a true understanding, you know, a, a true evaluation. You know, when you're when all you do is practice in shorts and and shells, well, how the hell are you supposed to know what a player can really do? You know, so here you got you got 90 players on the damn roster. You go into the preseason. No, you never tackle in practice. You never have a live period in practice. You throw them in a game, you know, and a player makes a play here, makes a play there. Oh, he's a good player. Let's keep him. That's not a true evaluation. It's not a true evaluation. You know, they have overcorrected this thing so far where as far as being able to practice hard and, and really be able to evaluate how a player plays, you know, you heard the young kid, Sidney Brown, last week talk about, you know, oh, the way that you practice, if you don't practice physical, and, and the way you practice shows up on game day, you know? There's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, but nobody practices physical these days, which that goes back true. to Bill's point. You got you to evaluate without having the benefit of that. That the ain't Lions, true. Go back, go, go, back, go back to last year and look at the Baltimore Ravens. And, and John Harbaugh got fined for putting his guys in pads and practicing hard and stealing some extra practices. Because you know what the Baltimore Ravens know that every other team has forfeited? That it's still a physical game. And you still have to practice physical. And so what are they supposed to do? Get fined? They're supposed to get fined? Uh, take the fine. Take the fine. <laughs> All right, let's take a break right now. This is the kind of, as we go into the break, I got to read this tweet because this is the kind of desperation you got from the people out there. Uh, this guy, John, tweets, officially begging the Philly Sixers and Flyers to do something exciting. Make a trade, free agent signing, anything to take our mind off the Eagles and pump some energy into the fan base. This is death by a thousand paper cuts watching this team. It's mercifully over in seven days. That's what you got people out there. Well They're said. ready to jump off the bridge, man. It Let's go Flyers, baby. That's what I'm show. <laughs> We got the diamond debate coming up with Kayla Santiago right after this. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pond Lee Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. 
Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's the point of Hockey Eagles postgame show? Joining us now, Kayla Santiago with the Diamond Debate. Uh, Kayla, I need some, I need some diamonds to make me happy. You got any on you? Can you, can you send them my way? I do as well from Mark Strollers. I mean, they're the only thing that could possibly make me smile right now because watching that game, I wanted to act like I was in a nightmare and possibly woke up from it, but no, it was real life, unfortunately, but you can still get your jewelry, the earrings, the pearl necklaces, everything you could possibly want at Mark Strollers. They have some fantastic stuff and I promise you it'll make you feel better after that Eagles loss. Now, there's a ton to unpack here. You guys have already done some of it in the last few segments, but I want to go back to the topic that you guys have already touched on, and this is our diamond debate on Twitter. Make sure you go vote on Jacob Sports. Is Nick Sirianni on the hot seat? And a lot of people say 82% yes, and I think that's consensus right now, especially if he goes into Tampa Bay and loses. And you guys have discussed this already, but Seth, I'm going to go to you first because I know if Nick Sirianni loses this game in Tampa – there's no way that he's in Philadelphia next season. But on the flip side of that, is Brian Johnson still here? Is Sean Desai still here? Do they clean house and say, okay, we start over? Do they keep those guys? Where's your thought process on that? No, I think if you're going to move on from Syriana, you have to, you, you need a whole philosophical shift. Um, you got to bring in a guy for Jalen because he's going to be your franchise quarterback. You've made that commitment. You got to be bringing a guy who could, he needs a quarterback coach and he needs, you know, an, a system that will not only take advantage of his skill set, but also broaden that um, from the standpoint of him being able to stand in the pocket and operate, you know, and go through, grow through, go through a read the proper way. Um, you know, I, I, I liken Jalen Hurts where he is, and but I think he's ahead of, you know, where, um, where Lamar Jackson was at this tenure of his career, I think he's at that place. Now we've seen Lamar take the next step, go from just a straight up read option running quarterback to a guy, you know, who can push the ball down the field and make throws and even make throws on the run. But he's operating in a system that requires that he does that. And he's got coaches that requires that he does that. Greg Roman, they moved on from Greg Roman because Greg Roman wouldn't evolve his offense in order to allow for Jay, for um, 
for Lamar Jackson to grow. So Jalen needs to grow, and he needs some coaches around him, not his friend, not his boyhood coach, not anybody who's that connected to him, someone that can hold his feet to the fire and force him to grow the way that he actually needs to grow. Um, defensively, they need a complete shift in their psychology and their methodology as far as how they play defense. You know, this Bember don't break style defense doesn't work. It's okay. There's certain situations where you have to play that way, but that can't be be your your mode of operation week in and week out because teams are just taking advantage of. It. You know, you got to have a more aggressive version where you know when you need to bring pressure and when you need to play man coverage and you need to get physical with people, you can play that way. What's their identity on defense? Their identity is is strictly the front four or five and the pass rush. Everything else is there's no identity to it. I don't see anybody flying to the ball, you know, trying to take somebody's head off. I don't see three, four, five guys flying to swarm into the football. That's the way you play football. But the Eagles don't play that way. And the fact that they're being allowed to play that way tells me that it's okay with the coaching staff that they play that way. Because I never played on a team, very rarely I should say, played on a team where you could jog to the ball hoping that somebody else was going to make the play. Coaches would call you out, get your ass to the ball, and go make the play. Is a new coach the fix to this team, though, Mike? Uh, uh, listen, I, I agree that that if you lose to Tampa Bay, it's it's such a, a, a drastic meltdown that you you probably can't bring him back. I, I just don't think you're going to lose to Tampa Bay. But I agree with Seth. I think you're going to make a change. You got to clean the whole thing and and uh, give a different perspective. The irony of that is that Brian Johnson was supposed to be the guy that was going to be really good for Jalen Hurts. So you're giving up on, on that that idea, but this this uh, collapse is so monumental. I, I'm just reading a stat on it. Um, all right, they started the season ten and one. They're 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 going to finish eleven and six. So they're the first team to start the season ten and one or better and finish with eleven or fewer wins since the 1986 Jets. So that's monumental collapse. And when you have a monumental collapse like that, you just can't bring back the same guy if you lose that first round playoff game now i think he's going to save his job but uh yeah i would agree with seth you've got to clean the whole thing if they lose that game next week what brings you the confidence though because i was listening to you guys earlier that they will beat tampa bay and tampa bay because i know the buccaneers are really bad i completely understand that but the eagles have looked terrible against bad teams the cardinals and then the giants and today i understand Devonte smith wasn't playing aj brown gets hurt early on but even early on in this game the very first snap they didn't look like they wanted to be there so what confidence do you have that they can go to tampa bay and win that game is it just well, they didn't want to be there today Homer. Uh, they didn't want to be there today next week is the different mindset it's a playoff game and uh <laughs> their talent level is better than tampa bay and they're going to have what? their guys back uh, and I just don't think Baker Mayfield, even though as bad as this defense is playing, I don't think Baker Mayfield carves them up. So I think it'll be a close game, and I think they'll win it. Hey, uh, hey, Xander, can you put a new placket down there for Mike? Take the Mike Missinelli off there and put Homer <laughs> Simpson up there? <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I have – this is not a good football team. They're going to get pounded by San Francisco. I just can't buy that, that Tampa Bay's talent level – 
is going to be enough to beat them next week. I think it's giving you what, what evidence. It's not involved in it. The players will have to win that game. And I always look at the team that seem to my my view seems to be a little more skilled than the other. What evidence? What evidence do you have that gives you the confidence, other than being a homer? That the Eagles. Well, the last it. thing I am is a homer. <laughs> I, I got news for you. I, but I, I just don't, I don't have any wait, wait, wait a minute, Mike. Hey, let, I, let, me ask, let me ask you this question. Which team do you think is a better football team? The New York Giants or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? The Buccaneers are probably better. Yeah, but this, again, this is the last game of you. They obviously, your position is they, because they checked out in this game, they're going to be checked out for the rest of the year. And I look at it like, Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe that will happen. But if you're going to ask me the talent level of these two teams, I believe that the Eagles, on talent alone, can can win the game like 21-17. And you're like, I'm, I'm okay, not, it's not like a resounding result. I just think they're going to be a little better than Tampa Bay. The 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 problem for me in trying to get any confidence mustered up for this Eagles team is that when I have had confidence mustered up for this Eagles team, they found ways to lose. And we spoke at length throughout the season about how great it is to find ways to win, but that shouldn't be your MO to scratch and claw and not be able to control a game this season. And they haven't really controlled a game this season since week seven against the dolphins. Like, let's think about that for a second. That's horrific. Week seven. That's embarrassing. And now you're facing a team in the Buccaneers who are, unfortunately, yeah, they're better than the Giants. No question about it. And, yeah, they're better than the friggin' Cardinals, too. And I can't muster up confidence again that now this team is going to go on the road and beat a Buccaneers team that's feeling pretty damn good about themselves, albeit just barely squeaking out that. Did they win? Did they win? How good is it? Right, yeah, touchdown today. Yep, yep, they won. Big difference <laughs> than getting spanked by the New York Giants. I, yeah. I get it. Listen, the Eagles would have to erase the trauma of what has happened to them over the last uh, five weeks, six weeks. Yeah, that, they, you know, they need they need mental fortitude. Do they have that I, right I now? They, they would have to erase that trauma, and maybe I'm taking a big leap that they can do that. But I'm saying the trauma is still going to linger. I just think their talent level is just a tad better and they're going to be able to win the game. That doesn't mean that I'm sold on anything they right. do. I understand. They'll, they'll get beat 42 to 7 the following week. Yeah, but they're Mike, lost as hell right now. Mike, they are lost as hell right now. The men in black can't help the Eagles right now. You're talking about erasing their memories. They, If you flash them right now, it would not help them, okay? I, I do have to agree with Seth and Mark here. I, I just think you look at these two last games and you say they don't even look like they want to be there. They're not even playing like they want to win football games. Not only that, but you're going into the first round really banged up. Is A.J. Brown going to be 100% healthy? Probably not. Hopefully he just got tangled. And, of course, they sit him out because at halftime, Nick Sirianni kind of gave up on the game. Devontae Smith, is he going to be 100%? You look at Jalen Hurts. The blitz is going to be coming for him. How are they going to game plan around that? Mike, I'm going to go back to you here. Is there any chance, any chance, if the weapons are not there like they weren't today, if they're a little bit banged up, that the Eagles try and run the ball? It hasn't happened. And I said on social media, can they try to run the ball against the Giants? Seth strongly no, disagrees. They, they, they have to find they, a way to win, though, right? It's elimination they won't game at try, this point. They won't try to run, run the ball. They'll they'll rely on the fact that they'll have A.J. Brown and, and uh, Devontae and Goddard in the game, 
and and Swift will give them a little bit of a lift. They're not going to change their game plan to to let DeAndre Swift carry him to victory. But I, I just think they'll make enough plays to beat a team that's mediocre. And I know the Giants are worse than mediocre, but uh, there was something weird about today's game. They they just didn't want to play. And, and I guess maybe you can uh, – the subplot is they didn't want to play because they they knew they were locked into the fifth seed and they didn't have the desire to, to play and they weren't motivated by a coach. But the playoffs are a different thing. And Seth, you know that. The playoffs give you a, a, a new attitude. And you're coming in, and the stakes are higher, and and you know you're better than that team. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to praise the Eagles by any stretch. I, this is a very like narrow focus on what I believe they could do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I, I don't believe that they're fractured enough to lose to that team. They were I hope you're right, enough. Mike. I hope you're right. You know what? When you've been, I think they're broken, Mike, Mike. When you've been optimistic this year, you've been right. I think that, this is not even optimism. This it is it like sounds pretty optimistic. Pessimism on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> I saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They they had to sweat their nuts off today to win that game nine nothing in a oh. must win situation. They you stink. know you know all I hear. At least they tried. At least they all tried. All I hear. All I hear. Mike, they won nine nothing. He's getting interviewed like he's a hero. All I hear, Mike, is that is that the Buccaneers had nuts. If the Eagles, if the Eagles would have won nine nothing, what would you be saying right now? I'm saying the, the offense stinks. It's that's still, what, I, that's what I would be saying. The offense stinks. I can't give people, any credit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they won a game nine nothing today. Hey, listen, they won their division. We didn't. We're almost a losing record. They won a division. That doesn't say anything. Doesn't matter. Didn't we win a division a couple years ago with a loser? With that, a, with a... Of course it matters. If you play no. a stinky division and, you, and you, no, you're one game over 500, that doesn't make you a good team. No, it doesn't. Because, you know, you've seen the, 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 year that, the year that the New York Giants, their last Super Bowl, they went 9-7 and seven as a wild card team and won the Super Bowl. Don't talk to me about, player, about how a team can't, can't shift the narrative. Okay, because how many they're, times they're, does that happen, Seth? Seriously, doesn't matter. Though. How many times in, in the history of the NFL okay. are a team like the Giants going to happen to okay. win the Super Bowl? It's not going to okay. happen very often. They don't have to win the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't have to win the Super Bowl. They just have to be good enough to beat the Eagles, and they're going to beat their ass and next maybe, week. And maybe just they watch. are. Maybe don't they are. Be, they haven't sold me on that. Okay, don't believe me. Just watch. And I think, too, whichever team comes out of this, when they go to the next round, it's all said and done. So to me, even if the Eagles win, I'm not going to feel good about it because I don't believe they can get past anybody else. On a side well, note, too. Not. They're going to get demolished by San Francisco. Yeah, they will. So, so I'm not being optimistic. I'm saying they're just a little better than that team. But I don't want them to get my hopes up at all, even though I'm saying they're not. If they do win, I might say, okay, maybe there's a small chance. Maybe the football gods will be there. I don't think so. No, you so. won't. There's no I, way you're probably right. No you're probably right. That, but you never know. You never there's know. There's no also, way you'll say that because you're realistic enough to know that would never possibly happen if they could be good enough to beat the 49ers. Probably not. Cindy Brown also is believed to tour his ACL. And I said this earlier too. I wish the NFL would stop worrying about the tush push and worry about MetLife because there has been so many, so many injuries there as of late. But nevertheless, I mean, the Eagles, I don't think that they win in Tampa Bay. 
And I'm curious to see what they do with the coaching staff. I know we only have a short amount of time left in this segment, but I want to go around really, really quick. Mike, I'll start with you. If Nick Sirianni is done with Philadelphia, who would you like to see step up in that role? I have no idea because it doesn't matter what I think. What they're going to do is discover the next new shiny toy again. You know how the Eagles work. They're not going to get anybody that has any kind of a rep. They're going to find a guy that they put all their resources in and go, we discovered all these guys. We discovered freaking Andy Reid. We discovered Nick Sirianni because we put because our insights are so wonderful. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be some some new young coordinator or some coach on somebody's staff that they're going to say, that's the guy. We really we really all our our research and, and evaluation. He's the guy. You'll see. So no Harbaugh, no Bill Belichick, none of those guys no. coming into Philadelphia. Oh, hell no, <laughs> I, I agree with you as well. I would love to see Frank Reich as offensive coordinator at some point, but why? We'll see if that What's happens. Frank Reich ever done? Frank Reich well, is do the better than Brian. He's, he's a better offensive coordinator oh, than he is Frank a head Reich coach. He's a better he's offensive be coordinator. He's better than Mark Brian Johnson. Mark me down for Bill Belichick. Thank you. <laughs> that, would, that would be a fun one to bring to Philadelphia. Oh, you damn right it would be. Get out of here with Frank Wright. <laughs> Seth, your final thoughts? I'm not a Bill Belichick guy either, to be honest with you, Farzy. I love you Bill Belichick. Yeah, it's, too, it's, far, it's too far down the trough for Bill Belichick. At this oh, point. no, I agree. But how much fun would that be? Because then there'd be <laughs> no question as to who's in charge. That's true. Well, then it's it's a mood issue because you. Oh know yeah, they're never going to do it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I'm rooting be for a that. Fire. Well, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm along the line as, as Mike. I don't know. You know, unless I unless there's some kind of um, philosophical change, you know, from the top down as to how they see the game and how you go about doing things. Um, I think that you know. This experiment, you know, with these first-time head coaches, it's time to, you know, go back to the well of maybe going back and getting a coach with some experience and a coach who has, you know, some cachet about him. A coach who can go and also bring in position coaches who are adept at, you know, building talent. You know, Bill was talking about the drafting. Farzi was talking about, you know, how the Eagles draft. And one of the reasons, one of the things that, that sabotages your draft picks is your 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 the, the coaches that you have that are responsible for for um for developing that talent okay it's one thing to have a first round draft pick it's another thing to have a coach who can get the maximum out of that guy who can teach him how to play that guy, that position and who can develop that type of um that type of talent to be able to look at a linebacker and say, okay, you know, you got enough speed to get anywhere on the field that you want to get to. Okay. Now I got to teach you how to trust your eyes and believe what you see. And then we're going to work on, you know, how you study and prepare so that you play the game from an anticipatory standpoint, rather than always waiting to confirm and see what you see. I'm not telling you to guess. I'm telling you the information that you get via via preparation, the film study, um, the data analytics that you use, the information that you gather, it's all telling. Every team has 
probabilities and things that they like to do and and tendencies how can i get those in your database so that you know and then teach you how to play your position so well that you're not concerned about what your what your responsibilities are because we've we've groomed them so much that it's automatic the minute the ball is snapping you get your read you know whether you got a gap over here or b gap over here okay you know when, when you drop okay if i got a guy number two in my zone and he goes out then i know i got another guy coming in if i get number two crossing my face and one leaving if one guy is leaving another one's got to be coming you know that's the type of information that coaches need to give to these young players so that they can allow they can put it on natural and allow their god-given talent and ability and skills the things that the things that evaluators see in players where you can set that free and allow them to play in a free type of way these players are locked up right now they're locked up because you've confused them with two different coordinators and the, and the second coordinator right now is just throwing you know is just throwing crap at them you know and they're trying to adjust and they're trying to understand what what was being asked and right now they're, they're just they're, they're mentally locked they're frozen they're frozen through analysis of what they're really trying to see instead of just being free to play and realize that I see what I see and I'm going 120 miles an hour. They're like, oh, I think I see. Like I saw, I saw Nicholas Morrow tonight drop in the zone. The first guy came through the zone and he's standing looking at the quarterback and he's kind of drifting to his left, but he doesn't really believe what he sees. If he believed what he saw, he had a pick six, a pick six, just go and make the play. But he's two steps too late and he misses the slant. God catches it first down. See, and, and to me, a lot of that, the, the players have to get it and understand it, but a lot of it is coaching. You know, I know because I've been there, I've had great coaches that put it in me to be able to play in that manner. And as a defensive player, you have to be, you have to play from an anticipatory standpoint, not guess it taking the information and the data that you put in your computer every single week and situationally saying, this is what they like to do. And if they try it, I'm going to make them pay for it. All right, let's take a break. John McMullen covered the game for Jacob Media. He will be uh, our next guest uh, on the Pilot Hockey Eagles postgame show. I'm curious to know what uh, John is going to say. But for the record, the great um, Baker Mayfield today threw for 113 yards against the worst team in the freaking league. <laughs> And, he, and he's getting interviewed after the game like he's a Roman gladiator. I'm like, what the hell? What are you you got to be kidding me. All right, let's take a break. We're back after this. My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story.
Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The perfect pair. Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Hola hockey. Eagles postgame show. The gang's here. I'm Mike Vassalli. Seth Joyner. I'm Mark. How far is Zeta? Uh, okay. Um, before we get to John... Do we have uh we have more on the on yes. Mark? Yes, this is the last day, Mike, Seth. So we okay. want to make sure we give a big push and some love to our uh partners over at the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation to help combat Alzheimer's as well as dementia. And maybe put some of our fans in the seats there at the stadium in Las Vegas for the big game uh early in February. Uh it doesn't look like the Eagles are headed there, but you could be. All you gotta do is text the word score to 833-202-9835. That's text the word score to 833-202-9835. And here's what you get: two tickets to the big game, two nights stay at a hotel out there in Vegas, and two thousand dollars in cash for expenses. And all you got to do is text the word SCORE for the big game sweepstakes presented by the EBOD Foundation and Jacob Sports. And you can find yourself in the stands for the big game in Vegas. Uh, Final time to register is at 11.59 tonight. So make sure you guys text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835 and put yourself in the running. Are we absolutely positive the Eagles won't be there? I am. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Hey, look, you're, you're, you're starting to talk me into them possibly winning against the Buccaneers because when you're optimistic, good things happen. You told me Jacob- it even matters. So that's my point. That's my point. So let's, let's bring in the man who covered the game. Um, uh, John, I don't know. I mean, you've covered a lot of games. Um, I, c- could you believe what you were seeing today? John McMullen. No, well, I mean, it was uh... – it was a bad performance, but, uh, you know, I think people are getting overly emotional about how bad a performance it was. I, I'm with you, Mike. I heard you 
the Buccaneers stink. Now, long term, I, I don't think it means anything because I think if you go beat the Buccaneers, you're still going to get your, you know, what's handed to you in San Francisco. But, I mean, the Buccaneers are terrible, and I think everybody's looking at this Eagles game and saying, oh, they can't beat anybody. You know, there's no Devontae Smith. There's no DeAndre Swift. There's no Darius Slade. There's no Fletcher Cox. A.J. Brown gets injured early in the game. Um, yeah, those guys are all going to play next week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that enough to beat Tampa Bay? I think it is. Is it enough to beat San Francisco? And we all know this season started with Super Bowl or bust for Philadelphia. So from that perspective, I get it because it looks very unlikely that this is a Super Bowl team. But I'm not going to go to that other end of the spectrum, whereas they stink, they can't beat anybody, they should fire everybody. I think there's there's a there's a hefty middle there, and I think people. All right, hold, hold on, John, because I want Seth to get involved in this. Seth says they're broken, and no way <laughs> can they win next week. So, Seth, I think you you two ought to like hash this out right now. I'm not fighting with John. John is out of his opinion. You kidding no. me? Um, he is, John, he, John say, is he says so, they're broken, John. Broken, and when you're broken, so they are broken. They are they, broken they, from they, what we're used to. Five out of six. I mean, they are physiologically broke. They are psychologically broke. They're emotionally broke. You can't tell me that that AJ Brown can stand. I've just watched him stand. There's a video of him standing yeah. in the locker room, dapping up everybody as they come in. Too late. Too late. It's not, well, it's it might be too fun. late. It might be too late to win the Super Bowl. It's not too late to beat Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. That's my middle point. But that team won nine games. That team struggled with the Carolina Panthers today. The I, I mean, I think, I think, pick a team that's not in the playoffs can beat the Buccaneers. So AJ Brown, by the way, they can be everything you said, Seth. Broken. Mentally, physical, and AJ might make a couple plays and beat the Bucks, or Devontae Smith may might might make a couple plays. Darius Slay might get an interception and beat the Bucks. I'm not saying that's what people wanted, but I'm saying there's there's a large middle area in between. They're never going to win another football game, and they're playing very poorly. Look. This is the first team since the 1986 Jets to start 10 and one and finish with 11 wins or less. So that's a long time. By no means am I trying to say that this is the way it was supposed to go. Um, and they played horribly today, but your, your top playmaker today was Quez Watkins. Well, you know, if you went through 17 games with Quez Watkins as your top playmaker, yeah, I'd say you're probably going to win three or four games, maybe at best. It ain't going to be that way in Tampa Bay. Hey, John, I might I might make a comeback next week. How about that? <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, the Eagles defense today against Tyrod Taylor and one of the worst offenses in the National Football League gave up 415 net yards. Yeah, the defense they ain't stopping nobody. They can't rush the passer. They can't Hello. stop the run. And when the offense sputters and don't get done what they need to get done and continue to make mistakes and have to kick field goals instead of getting touchdowns like they've done for the last six weeks, okay, 
They ain't beating the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. They just not. Okay? I'm a realist. I'm a homer. I'm a homer realist. But I ain't that much of a damn realist. They done fool me once, shame on me. Okay? In the infamous words of George Bush, fool me twice, you won't feel, fool me again. Okay? No. <laughs> They are not well, I'll winning. say this, Seth, you, you, you played and, and you uh, analyzed the Philadelphia for a long time. Mark and Mike, you have taken calls from Philadelphia callers for very long periods of time. If I use the word provincial, you know what I'm talking about. Philadelphia fans don't pay attention to anything outside of Philadelphia. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers stink, stink on ice. The Eagles might stink on ice right now. Stink versus stink? You got better players? I'll take the team with the better players. That's just who's, the way I look at it. Who's, who's going to stop, who, who's gonna stop Mike it. Evans and Chris Godwin? You think, you think Mike, Mike Evans Hall of Fame receiver? You think Mike Evans is better than A.J. Brown? Mike Evans, you think Chris Mike Godwin's, Godwin's better than Devontae Smith? Mike Evans, it, it, it doesn't matter because they're not playing – Mike Evans is playing, and, and Chris Godwin is playing against our defense. They're not playing against Tampa's defense. It's a move. Well, I agree with that. I agree with is, that. Is Brian Johnson is Brian Johnson calling plays for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin because that would uh, you know knock him down a tick? Hell no. Hell no. He well, ain't calling. That's why. That's why they're gonna light this Eagles defense up again because they'll be playing fifteen yards off, and Mike and Mike Evans will be running that that bang eight and them slants and whatnot, and they'll be missing tackles, and he'll be. Out the gate. Trust me. John, I got got to ask you this because I am not a fire the coach guy. I I hardly ever run to that unless it is really push come to shove. This team looks completely lost right now under Nick Sirianni. Here's the thing. It's not all Nick Sirianni's fault. But you have Hassan Reddick laughing in the locker room this past week about how many times he was asked to drop back in coverage. Although he said, I'll do whatever it takes to win. He's laughing at the idea of dropping back. He's talking about the higher ups making the decision to move on from Sean Desai and bring Matt Patricia in. You're you have a team right now that even AJ Brown acknowledged, not everybody feels like him where yes, it's the player's fault that they're not winning these games. Now it's not the coaches. They're not the ones lacing it up to quote him. It's us playing. And this is not an isolated incident where it's all of a sudden they lost to the Giants. In every quarter they had to face Tyrod Taylor, they sucked, which is a haunting thing. So it's not just isolated. I mean, this is a team that also lost to the, the Cardinals at, at home. Well, no, They're I very close say. to being a very close to 500 type of team, more so than they are being a team that could blow out any team in the postseason. Like, like, like Tampa Bay, a 500 team. But yes, absolutely. I will say, I will say, Look, I'm with you on the defensive side. I thought that was a total panic move by Nick mm-hmm. Sirianni. I think Sean Desai should have been able to grow through the mistakes like most. He's not a first-year coordinator, but first-year coordinator here. Um, so, I hey, I'm with you. I think Nick made a big mistake, panic mistake. They've gotten worse defensively, magically. I don't know that how that happens. Against worse um, opponents, for the record. Yeah. Uh, Slay will be back next week. We'll see if that makes a difference. Uh, perhaps that Cunningham gets a little bit more. Um, you know, Levante looked a little bit better, so maybe that you get some incremental improvement. But look, the defense stinks. That that's for the off season. You got to change coaches. You got to change schemes. 
you got to change personnel. You got to change everything. And they lost Sidney Brown, by the way, he's coming on. They think it's a torn ACL. We'll see what the MRI says. Oof. So he's not going to be available either. But I was, can I do a poll real quick? Who, it, it, who's calling plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Does anybody know? <laughs> no, I, don't I can't know. remember uh, from week three, I think, when they faced him. I can't now, remember. I, my, I'm not trying to put anybody on the right. spot, but I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. I'm just saying Philadelphia's very provincial. They may think Brian Johnson stinks, but if they had Dave Canales, they'd think he'd stink. They thought Jonathan Gannon stunk. He had the number two defense and the number one passing defense and 70 sacks. So the coordinators are going to get blamed. Now, They've been bad defensively all season, and they've gotten worse with Matt Patricia. The offense, though, overall through 17 games is still well above average, still one of the best in the NFL when you take the larger sample size. And when A.J. is out there, Devontae, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift, you're going to have enough firepower to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're not going to have enough firepower to beat the San Francisco 49ers, and that, to me, is the bigger issue. But, right, and that's the, line, that's the, the middle ground I'm the, talking about. Uh, I have the line now on the Eagles at Tampa Bay. You want to guess what that is? Eagles favored by two and a half. Minus one and a half, the Eagles are. A point wow. and a half. I was close. <laughs> I'm starting to change my mind. Yeah, that, that's I not mean, exactly that's a, a confidence booster. That's a stone Tampa Bay line, to be yeah. honest with you. But I don't know. Continue. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> John, how did they get this law? And, like, in all honesty, going back to the Decide move, and you keep on you said that that was Nick Sirianni's call. From what Asan Reddick said this week, he made it seem like it was more the front office asserting their power in that situation. So you know it to be the opposite. Well, it, look, Jeffrey's involved in everything when it comes to – it's not like Nick Sirianni can say, I want to change defensive coordinators and do it without Howie's approval, Jeffrey Lurie's approval. Mm -hmm. Nick says they allow him to do what he wants at this point. You know, we can all roll our eyes. It's been that way to this point in the Nick Sirianni era. Hadn't been that way in the Doug Peterson era. So at some point, and by the way, I think that point is coming because one thing I know about Jeffrey Lurie, he's a great owner, but if you do not live up to expectations, there will be scapegoats. There will be scapegoats. To me, that's going to be the defensive coaching staff. It's probably going to be gutted. They might keep one or two. It might be a situation where Howie and Jeffrey say, Nick, this is going to be your defensive coordinator, insert name. If you accept it, you can move forward. If you don't accept it, we're going to have a problem. We might be at that area, especially if they lose in Tampa Bay. Um, if, they, if they win in Tampa Bay, if they're competitive in San Francisco, you know, it'll probably be fine. But we're now at the point where – yeah, there's going to be scapegoats. It's just a matter of who and where and when. Well, just on that note then, if it's Nick Sirianni taking it to the front office and saying, look, I can't do this with Sean Desai anymore, and then they hit that panic button and they make the change, 
you better be right if you make that change. And the Eagles, as it turns out, are historically wrong in making that change, which would make Nick Sirianni, I guess, the next man up when it comes to scapegoats. Um, no, he's got he's got a he's got a cushion. Um, if you think about Doug, remember Mike Rowe was the first scapegoat, and Doug mm -hmm. had a cushion. So Nick will have the Mike Rowe cushion this year, and then he's on the clock. But wasn't Mike Rowe at the end the of the season? The season was over, though, no? Yeah, Mike Rowe is at the end of the season, but Doug came back. Remember, Doug wanted right. Mike Rowe back, and they embarrassed Doug because he said mm -hmm. he was coming back. And yeah. then he had to trot out there two days later and say he changed his mind, which he didn't. He was told he had to fire Mike Rowe. Right. Yeah. We're at so that stage. Straight, John, with, John with, you're saying with that uh, if they lose to Tampa Bay, that Nick will have the choice to come back if he accepts who they want as the defensive coordinator. Or that would be my guess. That's not a, that. Okay. That would be my guess of how it unfolds. Jeffrey will demand scapegoats. Um, Nick has certain guys, like Doug had certain guys. Kevin Petulo, for instance, like. Nick will protect Kevin Petulo. And if they say you have to fire Kevin Petulo, we might have a problem where Nick says, you know what? F you, I'm out of here. That type of situation. The defensive coaches, he's not as close to. I think he'll accept it. You know, I heard you guys talking about potential coaching changes with Kayla. Forget about any big name. They mm -hmm. don't want anybody like Bill Belichick who's going to come in here and say, Guess what? I want personnel. I'm going to pick players. Oh, no, no, no. You have to listen to the GM. You have to listen to the owner. And that's why they bring in coaches like Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni. So the question is, how long do they continue to trip over their own feet? They've gone to two Super Bowls in the last six years. They won one. They lost one. This one, you know, the one last year was excruciatingly painful, you know, if you continue down the path that you're going and things kind of imploded because you interjected what you demanded, you know, as an executive team, <clears throat> at what point in time does that blow up in your face and you realize that you need to make some changes? Because I think they're on the precipice of that right now. Well, I got a tough time with that set for this reason. You just used, the terminology trip over your own feet in the same sense you said two Super Bowls in six years. There's a lot of franchises that would like to trip over their feet like that. Mm -hmm. So I think long term we're talking about and how he's proven himself to be a very good GM, very good roster builder. It's like this year. Now people are going to say, look at San Francisco, look at Baltimore. San Francisco's got Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Um, uh, Baltimore has Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, and they they each have, you know, some of the best linebackers in football, and the Eagles don't have linebackers. So people are going to overemphasize that. But long-term, Howie's philosophy of roster building has proven to be better than most, and, and the way he builds tends to – lean itself to longer term success. So it depends how you look at it. Is it disappointing for this year? Sure, because of the way it started. Uh, 10 and one, again, you gotta go back to 1986 to see this 
type of collapse. So in, in, in the micro sense, it's very disappointing. In the macro sense, as you said, Seth, two Super Bowls in six years, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think it's I, I believe it's fool's goal because I think if you go back to Super Bowl 52, you had such a high-powered offense, you know, that it allowed you to play passively defensively and get away with it. They needed to score every 41 of those points in order to beat the the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Not taking anything away from them, they won it. They earned that. Okay. Last year, you had an anomaly on the defensive side of the ball, 70 sacks in the regular season, and an offensive system that no one could figure out. Now that they figured it out, okay, now what are you going to do? How do you make that adjustment to the adjustment? Because obviously, while everybody else was in the lab in the offseason figuring out how to stop this offense, okay, you were believing that you could take the same plan that you had last year and go right back into this year and it would everything would be okay and it hasn't been the numbers the numbers say different okay you got two thousand yard receivers you got another thousand yard you know rusher and you got a quarterback that's right there on the edge of you know four thousand yards for the season okay so the numbers would say differently but the truth of the matter is this year was a colossal collapse because you got there with fool's goal all season long, and when you hit the teams that you needed to beat to get back to the mountaintop, then you found out that you wasn't as good as you were, and you and, and now you stumbled through the, the easy part of your schedule, the teams that you were supposed to beat. You don't even have an answer for them. So you go back into this thing next year, and it's like, okay, you know, this is how we do things, and this is how we're going to do things. What if they go on the next year and they start off, you know, two and five next year with Nick Sirianni right back at the helm again? What what how, how do you how do you manage that? How do you deal with that scenario? Because it's not that far out of the realm of possibility that that could be the same scenario all over again if you don't change your mode of operation. And my and from my perspective, this oh we need explosive plays and we need to limit them. Throw it out the window. Don't give me another. Vic Fangio, disciple. I'm sick and tired of the bend but don't break. It's shown that it doesn't work over time. Everybody else is evolving or devolving back to the most physical way that you play the game, running the football, great defense, hit you in the mouth style defense. That's what you're seeing with the last few. When you get down to the, the NFC and the AFC championships, I promise you, those are what those four teams are going to look like. But the Eagles want to finesse their way into this thing. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to blow up in their face all over again if they continue to operate the way that they've been operating. Two Super Bowls in six years be down. Well, we're hitting tomorrow's going to be Black Monday in the NFL. And you're going to hear a cliche, or at least you should hear a cliche, cliche in the league that if you're hiring the scheme, you're doing it wrong. In other words, um, doesn't matter. Ben Johnson's going to be the flavor of the month. Um, you know, you know, Seth, better than anybody. You can't win. We've seen Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick isn't a bad coach. He had a bad year. He might be a bad GM, but he ain't a bad coach. He doesn't have personnel right now. Andy Reid, his last year, he wasn't a bad coach. He had bad personnel. 
the the luxury the Eagles have is they have good personnel, a good position. Now we'll see how it shakes out with some of the aging players. Um, Jason Kelsey, I don't know if he's coming back. Brandon Grant, Fletcher Cox, et cetera. But you still have that core, especially offensively with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. These are very, very good players. Um, the, the, the collapse, the most troubling part of the collapse isn't losing to Dallas or San Francisco. It's losing to Seattle, Arizona, and the New York Giants today. If they won those three games, nobody's everybody's fired up. At worst, you have the number two seed. Probably affects the way San Francisco played, so who knows. You probably still don't have the number one seed. You might, um, but you definitely have the number two seed, and I think everybody is fine. If they sort of tighten up, because the biggest difference between the 2022 Eagles and the 2023 Eagles to me is the turnover game. And whether that's both offensively, they didn't take care of the football well enough, and defense don't take away enough. You could you CJ Gardner Johnson, playmakers they had last year on defense, they don't have on defense this year. They still have that talent to default to. So we, and by the way, I don't think the coaches are doing a good job, but they have the talent to default to. Most teams don't have A.J. Brown. They don't have Devontae Smith. They don't have Dallas Goddard. They don't have Jalen Hurts. And that's why they struggle. Sometimes they may look great. Sometimes they may look poorly. The Eagles got to tighten up certain things, and they can beat the Tampa Bays of the world. Now, Kyle Shanahan, I know we got a rat. He's been running the same offense as his dad's offense. All of a sudden, oh, that's so innovative. His dad came up with it 35 years ago. Eagles fans were killing him for blocking Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. As you know, Seth, it's the whole design of his offense, play action. He's trying to fool them. It's up to the quarterback to get the football out. He understands. The tight end's not supposed to block Hassan Reddick. He's supposed to chip him and slow him down. John, thank you. I think think Seth's point is that the Eagles right now are the elderly lady in the commercial who's fallen and can't get up. (laughs) And and he's using his experience in locker rooms that he's experienced that broken condition. Uh, We can go back to Rich Kotite. That's what he's saying. You could say... You could see Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts trying to talk themselves into we still believe. In fact, I asked Nick that question, and I got an F-bomb and an S-bomb because he was getting a little bit surly about why do you still believe after losing five of six. And he was in the I effing believe in the coaches and the personnel because what else is he going to say? So they're definitely shaken. But, again, there's a big difference between – not going where they were supposed to go and beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There I'm with Mike. Okay. John, thank you. We appreciate it. We at least have one more game to talk to you. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens next week. It's one and a half. I didn't expect that. So the Eagles will be favored by a little more than that. All right. So we're going to continue the Pondle Hockey Eagles postgame show right after this. Why?
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Hockey, Eagles post-game show. Mike Missanelli, Seth Joyner, Mark Farzetto with you as we kind of rehash what happened today at a debacle, if there ever was one, as they, they get housed by the New York Giants. Hard to believe, but where does it leave the Eagles? It leaves them in, in a situation for the playoffs now where they have to go to Tampa Bay. They're a slight favorite in the game. By the way, your playoff matchups uh, go as follows. The Cowboys got the two-seed. They will host the Packers. The Lions, the three seed, will host the Rams. That could be an upset. And then the, the Eagles at the Bucks, And in the AFC, you got your Steelers uh, at the Dolphins, the Bills at the Chiefs. Uh, the Bills in Miami are playing right now. And then the, the Browns uh, at the Texans. Uh, our next segment, we're changing up a little bit. We haven't done this uh, uh, yet this year. But uh, since it's sponsored by Colony Pools, and you can uh, check out flywithcolony.com and Right now, get your winter watch program all situated to get your custom Kelly Green pool cover delivered in 2024. Uh, let's talk about sink or swim since uh, we have the colony pool segment. Uh, the sink or swim is the playoff matchup. And uh, what players would could we see sinking or swimming in that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Now, I know, Seth, you're down and you probably can't come up with somebody. Uh, but I got to think that Jalen Hurts will reconnect with his wide receivers next week. So I'm thinking that the wideouts are the swimmers next week against Tampa Bay. Farsi, what are you thinking? This is uh, asking me to be somewhat optimistic, but if this team is going to do anything and make 
and win this game, it's gonna it's, it has to be because of the playmakers on offense. And I know you say that, and it's like, well, what playmakers do they have? Because you haven't seen any playmakers anytime recently with this Eagles team. But A.J. Brown looks like he's going to be okay to go up in the game. Devontae Smith was walking around in the locker room this week without a boot or crutches, uh, probably out precautionary reasons more than anything. The weather, and obviously you didn't have a good shot to win this game anyway, or you didn't have a good shot to win the division anyway and help your playoff seating, especially with the way the Cowboys played and all that. But Jalen Hurts, everyone from Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift, and the wide receivers have to play lights out to outscore any team that's going to be playing against this defense. So, yeah, if you're looking for anybody to swim in a in a victory for the Eagles in Tampa, it's going to be really – I think it has to be the entire offense. But, yeah, the wide receivers would have to be the star of the show. Seth, who's the, who sinks? Is it the defense next week that sinks? Is it the offense again that sinks? They can't score enough points to win the game? Where do you see the sinkage? The defense is already sunk. <laughs> they're 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 if you stand right there by the edge of the water, they're already the bubbles are already coming up. <laughs> I, I just you know, I'm I'm you guys know me, man. I'm I'm a big proponent of you know show me show me how you perform, you know, over the next three weeks, and that's a preview of you know things to come. You know, they're not going to just magically fix this. They've been talking about trying to get right and fix themselves. And, you know, I still believe in this team. There's a whole bunch of BS, you know. The way that you fix it is, you know, you go to work. You know, you put the extra time in on the field. You put the extra time in off the field in the classroom. You study habits and things like that. And you go out with the confidence that you're just about to, you know, dismantle your opponent. They haven't come out in the last five, six weeks with that look on them that they're ready to dismantle anybody. You know, they look like they've, you know, been ready to be dismantled. And the more that a team dismantles them, the more you can disarm them as, as the game goes on. It's been that way, you know. So there's if you're looking for some kind of optimism for me, I got nothing for you. Yeah, I did the I, real quick on that. I did the math earlier in the week and I just updated it. You know how close the Eagles are to being a seven and 10 football team? Like, in all honesty, I mean, what, plus five, I believe it is, in the point differential, which is absurd for a team that's in the playoffs, let alone a team with 11 wins. But, like, if you think about some of the plays that they allegedly got really lucky on throughout the course of the year, just to give this, I know it could go both ways, but a couple of plays really jump out. Kansas City, Valdez Scantling drops the ball in the end zone with under two minutes to go. That would have been at least the lead with under two minutes to go for the uh, Chiefs. Gabe Davis breaks the wrong way in overtime, catches that touchdown pass. That game's over. You drop that one. Dallas, there was a whole slew of uh, mistakes that the Cowboys made. The one-inch line, they should have had a touchdown. Uh, the one-foot line, Dak Prescott stepped out of bounds. That could have easily been a loss for the Eagles. And then Washington, week four, Reed Blankenship's forearm. Do you remember that? In overtime, good God, man. That's piling up the losses right there that they just barely, in the days of us talking about how they find ways to win, talk about sinking. This team's been sinking for a long time. They've just been barely being able to grab a life raft from time to hey, time. Parson, go back to the first Washington game. No, that yeah. was the first watch. That was the Reed Blankenship uh, in overtime. That was, of course, A.J. Brown catching that touchdown. Not situational football. Yeah, a whole bunch of mistakes in that game. Yeah, but if you're Ron Rivera, you got to go to that. Absolutely. I we, I said it at the time when we owned the Battleship New Jersey. Where, look at where the team is right now. In hindsight, you look back and, you know, you're on the road. 
you're you you are the underdog to win the game, and you got an opportunity if you can convert a two point conversion to actually win the game on the road match, and he kicks the extra point, you know, to go into overtime. No, no, uh uh-uh. yeah, they, Dan they, Campbell they tried that, that too. It didn't work out for Dan Campbell last week. <laughs> Dan Campbell tried the same thing. It didn't work out for him. No, he that was stupid what he did. If it would have worked, you run the two-point conversion from the two-yard line. The minute that you get pushed back to the seven, you kick yeah. the extra point, you go into overtime. That was just ego that did them. All right. Uh so uh, so we stand right now at sink or swim. That Seth is on the record that the defense has already sunk. So uh, that means I assume that Baker Mayfield is going to light him up somehow. I know, he, I know he's got wide receivers. I get it. Hey, he threw for 113 yards today, for crying out loud. Mike. Against that Mike, crappy kid. Mike. Yeah. You want to know something? Yeah. <laughs> Baker Mayfield has over 4,000 yards passing this year. Yeah, what he, today he okay. had four thousand. Today no, he, he had one hundred thirteen thousand. One hundred thirteen for the season. Yeah. Jalen Hurts don't have four thousand yards passing. You know the same the same way that Jalen Hurts has got two thousand yard receivers. Guess what? Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield got two thousand yard receivers. Same how? Yeah. The, the same the same way that the same way that um, the Eagles have a thousand yard rusher. You know, Rashard White is like seven yards away from you know a thousand yards. So don't make it seem like you know there's some kind of scrub and the Eagles are like this this team this this offensive juggernaut. Stop it, man. They lost to Drew Locke. Drew Locke went 92 yards and called game. This is ridiculous. This team sucks. All right, I get it. All <laughs> it right. sucks Let's to say it, but it's true. Defender of the game. Defender of the game. Wait, see, this is the kind of spots that we get put in. Defender of the game is uh, brought to us by. Uh, Land Rover uh, of Willow Grove, Jaguar Land Rover of Willow Grove. Go test drive the new Defender. It's a special car. You'll absolutely love it. All right, Defender of the game. I mean, we're making stuff up as we go here. Is there a Defender of the game that stands out to you guys? Yeah, the Eagles offense. Defender of the game. That is worn down to the nub, Farsi. No, no, hold on. Uh, Jomo. How about a Jomo making a play there, Seth? Uh, Defender of the game. I told you. Didn't I tell you, you did. before the game? Yes, you did. You said he was going to eat. It, it's things like that, in my opinion, you know, that should motivate these coaches and these organizations. When you get a guy that shows that he's prepared and ready to play and wants to play, put him out there. Let them other bums sit on the sideline if they don't want to play. You know, when was the last time we – when was the last time we saw Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter make a play? Yeah, they're worn out. Make a the nub, it looks like both those guys are worn to the nub. And man, uh, you know, y'all, yeah. y'all need to stop with their all oh, their tired. Come on, man. Tired of what? It's fifty-two weeks in a year, Mike yeah. Missinelli. Yeah, fifty-two, well, and you get paid. They were not used to playing seventeen NFL games. I don't games. care. You get this fifty-two weeks in a year. And you get paid a king's ransom to play 17 weeks. Stop it with they're 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 tired. Take your ass home and go to sleep if you're tired. Tired, go take a nap. Why do you always attack me when I'm just pointing out the obvious? <laughs> because everybody <laughs> wants to come up I'm with these. To, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm yes. gonna, it looks like they're that's, worried. That's an excuse, okay? Because you know what? Yeah. We played 16, 16 games, but you want to know something, Mike? 
we didn't come out of the game. So if you couldn't stop a team and they ran 65, 70, 80 plays on you, guess what? Your ass played all the plays. And if you dare tap your helmet like you was tired, you was going to run some extra sprints the following week because your ass wasn't in shape, okay? These guys get to play 50, 60, 65% of the plays max, max, okay? They got nine defensive linemen on their roster. And you're going to tell me, you're going to talk to me about them being tired? Man, miss me with that. Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis had um, two solo tackles apiece today. That was what we got out of them. There we uh, go. Nicholas, Nicholas Morrow with 11 tackles, seven solo. So there's my defender of the game, Nicholas Morrow. <laughs> well, I'd say we're, we're, we're down hey, to Jumbo, the bare, bare minimum a Jumbo, now. A Jumbo had just as many tackles as, 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 the, as the two big boys today. He had two solos. Two solos and an assist. All right. It's time to close it down. Um, here's where they stand. They appear to be a broken team. In my opinion, they're not broken enough to lose to a bad team like Tampa Bay. Uh, it looks like you two guys believe that they could and probably will lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in first playoff game. And then the conversation becomes, will Nick Sirianni – keep a hold of his job. Are, are we on the same page with that? Is that what you guys are Absolutely. on the record saying? That, on expect, the record. It might not expect them to win next week, and that means the head coach is likely to get fired. Mikey Miss, you betting the Eagles in your parlay next week? Uh, I don't know yet. Now I have to think about it because a point and a half is in my attention. The makers clearly believe that Tampa Bay can win the game. Hey, Mike, Mike, when you lie, your nose flares like that. <laughs> Is that my tell? <laughs> All, right, boy, man. Man. <laughs> All right, listen, fellas, thanks for uh, hanging with us, everybody out there in uh, uh, watching us on 6abc.com and Jacob Media YouTube channel. For everybody that's involved in the production of this, including Bill Calarulo, Kayla Santiago, for Seth Joyner, for Mark Farzetta. We will be back next week. There could be one more post-game show, or there could be two. Uh, that's probably the maximum. But uh, hopefully we can win a playoff game next week and get to the next level. For Seth and Mark, I'm Mike Missanelli. Have a great rest of the night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at Dell Vale Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. The perfect pair. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. 